0: Well, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about this morning. The title of this message is called, Why Can't We Be Friends? Uh, Again, my name is Derek, and I just want to welcome you to Grace. We are in the middle of a series called, Oh, the Places You Will Go. And the basis for this series is a letter that was written 2,000 years ago by a very famous Christian named the Apostle Paul. And he was writing it to other Christians in modern-day Turkey, a church in Ephesus, And that letter has been preserved for 2,000 years, and you can actually find it in the New Testament of the Bible. It's called the letter to the Ephesians. So each week we're trekking through the letter, and it is just packed with all sorts of great stuff in there. Um, And there's there's all sorts of places that God wants to take us through that letter. But um, as we've been talking about the last few weeks we cannot get the places that God wants us to go without his help, so why don't we stop for a second and, uh, and ask for God's help in doing that, if you'd bow your heads with me. Lord, we just want to say thank you so much for um, able to be here today and um, dive into your word, and we just pray, God, uh, Lord, we know that you want to take us places in this life and... Um, we're going to need your help to get there. So just speak to us this morning and empower us by your spirit to, uh, to know what you have to say to us and then give us the courage to, uh, to carry that out in Christ's name. Amen. So for those of you who don't know me, I am from Cincinnati, Ohio. And um, there we go. We got some Ohio fans in the room. And so um, that means that I am also a Cincinnati Bengals fan for good or for worse, and a lot of times it's for worse, because uh, the Bengals just haven't historically been a very good team for quite a long time. But I've been just enamored with this team since I was about six years old, and, um, and football in general. And one of the things that I love about NFL football is, um, is how, and, and you football fans know this, but there's 32 teams, but they're all grouped into these small divisions. And what's awesome about the divisions is that you have four teams in each division, and they're geographically located somewhat close to one another, and then they play each other more often than they play the other teams. And so you get these incredible rivalries. We all know about the big rivalry here, right? The Redskins and who? Cowboys. The, Cowboys. the Cowboys. Okay, that's good, yeah. <laughs> I think it's the Cowboys, but I'm, I'm not totally sure. But anyway, um, so... The Bengals also have some division rivals. They have an interstate rival, the Cleveland Browns. They have um, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, my wife is from Pittsburgh. It causes a lot of problems in my marriage. But, and, then, um, and then there's another team in our division, the Baltimore Ravens. And um, thank you for that. So um, we're gonna get along just fine today. Uh, So that's the rivalry I'm actually most familiar with because uh, for the last 14 years that I've lived in this area, I've been going to the Bengals-Ravens game in Baltimore. I have a a very good friend who has season tickets to see the Ravens, he's from the Baltimore area. And every year he gives me and my brother tickets to go down to the stadium. And let me tell you, It is quite an experience. So uh, his tickets are in the um, season ticket holder section, like right smack dab in the middle of the end zone, lower level with all these crazy diehard Ravens fans. And if you can just picture in your mind, like just a sea of purple and then two tiny little dots of orange. There's probably only about 50 Bengals fans in the stadium and they're all related to the players, (laughs) except for my brother and me. And uh, so we're, we're, we're there, and it is a tough environment. And one of the things that makes it so tough is um, the Bengals are usually losing when we're there. So I'll come right from a, a 11 o'clock service. At noon, the service gets out. Almost always, the games are at 1 o'clock. And I'll jet down there. I'll get, I'll get to the stadium right at kickoff. And man, within the first few minutes, the Bengals are usually <laughs> already down some points. <laughs> And the fans are so animated, God bless them, but they love to, they they think that I want to interact and participate with them and they're celebrating, which is really, really frustrating. So, you know, every time the Ravens score a touchdown or get an interception, someone will be rubbing my head or grabbing my shoulders and shaking me or, you know, right up in your face, like, high five, man, that was so cool, you know? And it's, it's just, it's really annoying, right? And the hard part about it is because the Ravens are... You know, it's not that they're better than the Bengals. They're just luckier. <laughs> like, consistently. Like, yeah, they've won a couple Super Bowls, and we haven't won any, and yeah, they almost always beat us, but, you know, they're just, they're just lucky. Just very lucky consistently all the time. So the hard thing is, you trying to, you know, this rivalry and everything, you're trying to get some good smack talk going, but the problem is that all they have to say to pretty much any comment that you make at the game is, Scoreboard. You know, I mean, that's, that's pretty much all they need. So it's been frustrating for me because of all these one o'clock games, and I never really have a chance. It, it, we're always losing, or we've already lost the game afterwards, and then it's really brutal walking, walking out of that stadium. So it was a couple of years ago. I finally got my big chance. So a couple years ago, they took the Bengals-Ravens um, Baltimore game, and they put it on Monday Night Football. It was the season opener of Monday Night Football. And so, man, it was it was awesome. So I realized I can actually go down and like and experience Baltimore before the game and mix it up with all the fans down there, which I just love to do. And so I remember my brother and I went down, and it was maybe like two or three hours before the game. And we were at this place called Mothers, which is the place to go if you are a Ravens fan. Like that is the spot. Massive facility in this big open area. And um and so we're, we're there and, you know, not a Bengals fan to be seen or, you know, I mean, it's very, very sparse in terms of, in terms of my team. So this is Ravens fans everywhere. And we're, we're talking smack to all these guys and then um, they're really giving it to us. And then all of a sudden... Um, My brother and I, years of trying to think of what can we do to really annoy the Ravens fans? What can we do to just really mess with them? All of a sudden, we look over and we see that there's this group of four Ravens fans and they're kind of standing in a circle talking to one another. But one of them has made a critical mistake in what he wore to the stadium. And you'll see this from time to time. And now I absolutely relish every one of these times I see a jersey like this. But this guy had a Ray Lewis, who was their best player at the time. He's now retired. They had a Ray Lewis throwback jersey, which means it was from his college days. And and you see Ravens fans, a few of them with this. And he played at the University of Miami for the Hurricanes, whose colors happened to be green and red orange okay so are you seeing what happened it was like an epiphany okay and all of a sudden it was like a light from heaven just shined down and my brother and I kind of in almost the same moment we kind of connected some dots in our minds and we're like and he's got his back to us and so we just just take off both of us just going we're going after this guy we get up to this guy and we just hug him, bear hug him, both of us just on either side, me and my brother in Bengals jerseys, and we're like, what's up, man? And of course, he's thinking like, oh my gosh, I must know these guys, or you know, I mean, we're both wrapped arms around this guy, like, yeah, what's up, who day? That's like the Bengals chant, right? And he's like, what? And we're like, dude, are you from Cincinnati? He's like, what are you talking about, man? And we're like, seriously, we're gonna win today, you know, high five, And, and he's like, he's like, dude, step away from me, man. Now, at this point, his buddies are catching on to exactly what's going on, okay? So they're starting to chuckle, and man, and we're just like, this is so awesome, I can't believe we've seen another Bengals fan, you are the man! And at this point, man, he just shoves me, he's like, dude, he's like, I'm from Baltimore, this is a Ray Lewis jersey, man! We had him all kinds of amped up, and the reason that he was so amped up was because he had made the critical mistake, right? He, he, he's, he's wearing the jersey of his team, but he's been mistaken as a Bengals fan, like the, the, the pathetic, horrible Bengals, you know? And, and he has now been associated with the hated division rival. And I guarantee you, that guy will never, ever, ever make that mistake Again, it was a beautiful thing. Every time I see one of those jerseys when I'm at the stadium, I make it a point to run over and hug the unsuspecting person before they realize what happens. It's awesome. Because, you see, this rivalry is absolutely fantastic. And rivalry is what we're going to be talking about today, actually. So, this letter that was written, this letter to the Ephesians, was actually written because it was addressing a rivalry that was going on at this church. It's a rivalry two thousand years ago between two groups of people: Jewish Christians and gentile christians now jewish christians were people who grew up they were raised jewish believed in god did all the jewish practices and traditions and then they had come to believe that jesus christ was this messiah that was prophesied and predicted in the Jew- in the hebrew scriptures the old testament and uh and and he was the fulfillment of that and so they had now put their faith in jesus so even though they grew up jewish they were christians they were jewish christians and then the other group was the Gentile Christians. Now, the Gentile back then was really just a word that was used to describe a non Jewish person. So these were people who grew up, they didn't believe in God and they pretty much just did whatever they wanted. And, but they had too had come to believe that Jesus was the Son of God who died for them and they had become Christians. Now, some of you are going, okay. that's not that interesting. I mean, where's the rivalry in that? I mean, they're both Christians. They're both, you know, at this church in Ephesus. What's the big deal? Well, here's the big deal. For Jewish Christians, they, for thousands of years, had been practicing their religion. They had been doing all of these uh, different rituals and, and traditions. Uh, they, you know, practicing circumcision, they had dietary restrictions, they had purification rituals, they had these different things that they were practicing. And the reason they did those things, this is really important, is because they they did this because they were showing we have been set apart by God as an example, as a light to all the nations. And so this is a huge deal, huge part of their identity. Think about the traditions you have in your own family, things that that you do. It's hard to shake those traditions. And now, all of a sudden, they're being shaken up because it's like, actually, all those things are cool, but none of them are actually needed. It's it's about faith in Jesus Christ. It's basically about admitting we can't get to heaven on our own and uh, we need his help. And the rest is pretty much gravy. And so jewish christians were grappling with that and they had always really seen gentiles as as unclean really seen them as like a, a different class level society right and so they're grappling with that while at the same time the gentile christians are going why the heck are they still doing all these things you don't have to do that anymore So the the Gentile Christians were looking down on the Jewish Christians. Major rivalry, major division in the church, and Paul is addressing that in this section of the letter. We're in chapter 2 of Ephesians, starting in verse 11, and we're going to end up at at the end of the chapter eventually. And so here's what it says. Here's what Paul writes. He says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth... So he's starting out taking a shot at the Gentiles... And he says, and, and you were called uncircumcised, which that was a very derogatory term that um, a Jewish Christian would refer to a, a Gentile Christian by, uh, by those who call themselves the circumcision, okay? So he's saying his uh, his fellow Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ. And then he takes a little shot at them, Paul does, because he was, he was a Jewish Christian as well. And he says, Oh, by the way, which is done in the body by human hands. And basically, this was his little way of reminding his Jewish brothers and sisters, who are now Christians, that, hey, that whole circumcision thing that we do, that doesn't actually make us any better than anybody else. It's not, it doesn't make you more spiritually significant. This, this is a human religious tradition. But he's, he's really aiming at the Gentiles. And so this is what he says to them. He says, remember that at that time... You were separate from Christ, right, before they came to believe, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So what he's really saying here to these Gentile Christians in this church is, listen, just in case you were starting to think that like you were so much better than your Jewish Christian brothers and sisters because they're still trying to struggle to figure this stuff out, guess what? Don't forget that just a little while ago, you were so far from God. You were so outside of this whole thing. It is only by the grace of God that you are in this deal. So don't be feeling all high and mighty. Don't be looking down on anybody for that. And then he really dives in to focusing on our unity that we have, and it's really all centered on Jesus Christ. And so he, he's talking about who we are in Christ and what that really means for us. And this, this is what he says. He says, for he, meaning Jesus, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law and with its commands and regulations. So Paul is reminding everybody of there, is that there is no more division. There's no more rivalry, because ultimately it's not about what we do. It's not about what we practice, what we don't practice, okay? It's not about following religious laws. It's not about commands. It's not about regulations. It's not about what we do. It's about what's been done. And what's been done is Jesus has come to this earth and has died for us. And it's through faith in him, basically just accepting his gift. That's that's ultimately what it's about. Paul continues. He says, His purpose, Christ's purpose, was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, that's the Gentiles, and peace to those who were near, that's the Jews. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Now check this out, verse 19. He says, so consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, okay? You're no longer rivals. We don't have this division. But you're fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone in him, in Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So what Paul is driving at through this letter is he's like, guys, guys, listen, listen. There's no two groups in God's family. You can't have a divided church. We're all one. We are all joined together as God's holy family. Now, when I read that that little passage, you know what comes to my mind? A cozy signature salad. That's right. Some of you are thinking the exact same thing as you're reading that passage, man. Look at that. That's beautiful. I'm not even much of a salad guy. In fact, I have a friend I love, he he says, um, salad's not food. Salad's what food eats. (laughs) Think about that for a second. You'll get it. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, the other thing about Kosi is it's a little overpriced for me. So I don't, I don't really like to go there that often. A little too much to pay like 10 bucks for a salad. But, um, here's the deal. When I do go on rare occasions, I have to get that salad. There's nothing else that I can get, even though I'm not much of a salad guy. That thing just draws me in, and I'll tell you why. It's an incredible salad. Let me tell you about it, because I know you're excited, okay? They start with this bed of mixed greens. Okay. That's like the foundation point. And then what they do is they take a bunch of gorgonzola cheese and you like crumble that cheese in there. And then they take some fresh red grapes and they slice them in half. You got to have the slice in half thing. It's like it, it, it's important. Okay. So they slice the grapes in half. They throw the grapes in there. Then they add in pistachio nuts. Then on top of the pistachios, they throw in some fresh diced pears. And then they top it off. You shouldn't be getting excited about the salad, little guy, because it's really, really good, OK? got to try it. And then on top of that, they, uh, they sprinkle in some dried cranberries. And I'm telling you, it is amazing. All of the different textures and flavors, just the diversity of this salad all coming together. It's like a party in your mouth, all right? Some of you know what I'm talking about, because you've had this salad. It's awesome. But then, here's the clincher, okay? Here's the clincher, the sherry shallot vinaigrette. That dressing, man, unbelievable. In fact, it is so good that I, I propose that what they need to do at the Cozy is not only dress the salad and you know, toss it up with the, with the dressing, but what they actually should do is give you like a little shot glass with the, with the vinaigrette on the side so you could just like at the end when you're done you just kind of finish it you know with, with just a little shot of that dressing it is incredible and so that dressing takes all of these different flavors and varieties this d- incredible diversity of taste and it ties them all together it's it's awesome and this is such a picture of the church and I don't just mean Grace Community Church. I'm talking about the capital C church, Christ's church worldwide. Think about it. Think about it. The church, capital C church. What a mix. What a variety of all different kind of people from all different places in the world with all their languages and traditions and backgrounds and and denominational expressions and just kind of how, how they worship God and what that looks like in all different parts of the world. All joined together through Jesus. He's like our sherry shallot vinaigrette bringing the whole thing together. And in him, we rise to become a holy temple for God. And so what Paul is, is just beckoning his readers, and by extension us, to remember is that in God's church, there is no place for rivalry. We are one family you know what's interesting is that here at grace one of the things i hear over and over and over again that we love about this church is its diversity and i don't just mean in terms of how we look on the surface but diversity in terms of all the different backgrounds. Like, we're all from different places in the world coming together. We, we have uh, different traditions. Uh, we have uh, different things that, you know, we be- we'll believe a lot of different things. And uh, we're at different places in our spiritual journey. And that is one of the things that makes this church so incredibly rich and amazing. But one of the things that's interesting about that is that if you're around here long enough and you start to get involved here at Grace, like maybe you you join one of our Sunday volunteer teams and you start to serve with some people and rubbing some shoulders with different people and, uh, and you start to get to know people and build some relationships. Or maybe you get into one of our community groups and you start to have deeper conversations about faith and life and theology. What you'll find is that Over time, and this is pretty much inevitable, you're going to find there's a little gorgonzola cheese out there. You know what I'm saying? And maybe you don't exactly like the the, the flavor there. You're going to find that um, maybe those little dried cranberries, they're a little too zippy, a little too zesty. Okay? And I don't really like those things in my salad. Or, I mean, there's a couple of pistachios Out there in in our congregation. I'm just I'm just telling you. There's a few of us are a little nuts. I mean, none of you guys here, it's all 9 (laughs) 30 service, but um you're around long enough, what you're gonna find is you're gonna find people that frustrate you. You're gonna find people as part of God's family that really annoy you. You're gonna find people who are very different than you, who believe differently than you, and it is a challenge. And this is what happens when we encounter people like that, or whole groups, like maybe a whole denomination of churches, or, you know, whatever it is for you, okay? What happens when, when, when we experience something like that is we become focused on what divides us. It's just, it's a natural thing. That's where our minds go first. It is so easy and so natural to focus on the thing that divides, the thing that annoys, the thing that's different, right? And... We completely lose sight of what unites us. I mean, you probably have someone in your mind right now, or a type of church that you used to go to that was like a different denomination, or maybe you still know people who are there. And like the, when you think about that, the first thing you think about is what? It's your differences, it's what divides us. And what Paul is imploring us to remember and never lose sight of. It's like, yes, we're going to have differences. Yes, we're going to have things that divide us. But we must stay focused on what unites us, what brings us together. So um, that Monday night football game that I went to, um, the Bengals got crushed, by the way, that night. It was terrible. So the next, the next uh, season... It was back to a Sunday afternoon game, and, uh, and my son, Timmy, really wanted to go. He was six, and, um, and so he begged me to go, and so I said, well, kick my brother to the curb. And, uh, no, I'm just kidding. He got to come, too. But, um, so I brought, brought my, my son along, and I, I got to tell you, I was pretty nervous about it, because um, no offense to anyone from Baltimore, but there are classier fans, out there than 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 Ravens fans. Okay, I'm not saying anything about you. I'm just saying, just generally speaking, I have met classier fans than Baltimore Ravens fans. Okay, so I got a six-year-old. You know what I'm saying? With some virgin ears, like I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping they can you know class it up a little bit. Um, but I'm just figuring, you know, at some point he's got to get introduced to, to this. So let's just just trial by fire. You know, time to push you out of the nest. So. I, I'm sporting my, my jersey, you know, and, and, um, and my son, he's got his little Bengals jersey on, and, and we're walking, uh, we, you know, we, we park, and we're walking down to the stadium, and about the part where you start hitting some of, like, the pedestrian bridges going over some of the train tracks, and you get in really close to the stadium, it's like a funnel, you know, and everyone's now packed in really tight, and that is about the place where, the, where it starts. It's like, that's where it's on, you know what I mean? Like, the smack talk begins, you hear some very colorful language um and and all and you're wondering as you're walking by and people are going the other way like how, how come so many people's shoulders are like running into my shoulder and hitting my chest and you know is that is that coincidence is that happening to other people or just the people in the orange jerseys you know so so we're getting in kind of close and i realize um my, my son's going to get stampeded so i put him up on my shoulders so he's up on my shoulders and um and i'm walking alongside this this ravens fan and um He looks at me. He looks at my son, and I'm like, "Okay, here we go." Because I just love to mix it up. You know what I'm saying? I just, I just enjoy it. I enjoy that. And so he goes, "Um, "It's pretty bold." And I said, "Yep." And he goes, "Uh, "Is that his first game?" I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "That's cool, man." He says high-five, dude. He high five is my son. It was awesome, okay? Like, no profanity, you know, like, didn't try and punch me in the face. I mean, <laughs> didn't try and do what I was like, oh, it's psych," you know, like, it was, no, it was like genuine, it was genuine love. And, and we got to our usual section, man, like, where they just loved to just harass us for three hours. And I'm telling you, they could not have been cooler to my son, it was awesome. Like, I don't get choked up very often, man, but at sports, I guess they choke me up, you know? Um, (laughs) Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. We were wearing different jerseys, right? But what we remembered was what united us that day. So My son and I, my brother, we were cheering for the Bengals, which of course I think they lost again, but, (laughs) and all these other 70,000 people were cheering for the Ravens, but what brought us together in that moment was the thing that we all had in common, which was the love of the game, and seeing this six-year-old kid being introduced to something that we love, cheering for our team, watching a horrendously violent sport play itself out, okay, for three hours. We, it, there was something beautiful about that experience, you guys. And I am here to say, if Baltimore Ravens football fans can pull this off, Okay? How much more can the church of Jesus Christ get this right? Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you think about the capital C church worldwide, okay, and how diverse it is, there's so many different jerseys, aren't there? There's so many different colors. But you know what? It's one team. It's one team. We all play for Jesus Christ. It's one team. And it is so easy to get caught up in what divides us. And let me tell you something. Those are important conversations. I mean, that's important stuff. Someone's like, hey, you know, I think this is what we're supposed to do. And some like, you got to wrestle through that if you're in a community group with somebody or whatever. If you're having some good theological debate, that's important. I'm not trying to say we just throw our hands up and be like, oh, forget it, you know, whatever. We all love Jesus, so just do whatever. I'm not saying that. But here's the problem. We don't ever get past the divisions. We never get beyond it. That's where it starts, that's where it stops. And we have got to do better than that because the reality is that we all believe, okay, for those of us who are here who would call themselves a Christian, a follower of Jesus, and I just want to say if you 're not if you 're just here kind of checking things out we 're so glad that you 're here, you are welcome here i don 't want you to ever feel less than anybody else that this church exists uh, so that you can have a safe place to try and wrestle with who God is and learn more about jesus so but I just want you to know that if you get to a point where you've put your faith in Jesus and you call yourself a Christian, then here 's what unites the church okay this is we all share in common, all around the world, every church, is that we believe there is a God who loves us so much that he bothered to take the time to come down to this earth, take on human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, to live a life that we could never live, to show us how to live, and show us who God is, in case we were confused, and then to die a sacrificial death so that through that we could be made righteous in the eyes of God. We all share that. We are all on one team. And let me tell you, what Paul is saying here, this, I, this is so near and dear to Jesus' heart. I cannot even begin to tell you. Jesus last week, okay, John 13 through 17, Jesus last week of his life all right? You look at the stuff in there, and it shows just how, I mean, Jesus knew it was his last week, so stuff's, whatever he's trying to really nail, whatever he's trying to make sure, okay, one last time, guys, here we go, it's going to be there. So John 13, Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. I I don't have time to get into how humiliating, how degrading uh, that was, but let me just tell you that Peter completely freaked out. It freaked him out, and so Jesus did that, and then uh, on the heels of that, he said, guess what, guys? We got a new command. And it was an old command, but he made it new. He said, you know what? You got to love one another. Well, what's new about that? Well, here's what's new. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And he's talking to all of us followers of Jesus. His prayer, just a couple chapters later in the Gospel of John, is that we would be unified, that we would be one. Why? Why is that so important? Because here's the thing. And I don't want to sound arrogant when I say this, but this is just what Jesus tells us we are. Okay? Jesus says that we are salt and light in this world. We are to be a blessing in this world. Jesus is physically no longer here walking around as a A tangible human person. So instead, he walks around this way through us. We are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. We are actually the body of Jesus. And so here's the deal. What do you think happens if we're spending all of our time arguing about our differences instead of going out and trying to make a difference? Is that the church? Is that the light of the world? is that something that people are going to be drawn to? No, it's not. This is such an important thing. And you might not think that, that, you know, like, I don't know that that's my issue. Okay. I want you to think though, I want you to think of which kind of churches you have a problem with and how do you kind of air that frustration? Who are you kind of talking to about that? Do you ever have times where you're kind of like making this wonderful church that we love look a little better? Because you're kind of saying, well, it's definitely not like, right? If you've ever done that, just maybe think about what that might be doing. So, um, we do something every year here at Grace. Um, or oh, we've been doing it for the past few years anyway, I should say, um, where we do this meal packaging event. How many people have participated in that? You've, you've enjoyed that? Yes, it's been good? Okay, so we, we package like 100,000 meals. We do it the first Sunday in December as part of Advent, and um, all those meals go for disaster relief, and they go into schools that are completely impoverished in parts of the world, and it's a blast. But um, one of the things that we um, discovered was that there's some other churches in the area that are doing the same thing. And while we're going to continue to do our event, and we're going to do it again this December, so uh, get ready, it's going to be awesome, um, but we discovered that a lot of churches are doing that, and um, we got invited to be part of a conversation of what would it look like if a whole bunch of churches in this region came together, and we like pooled our resources and pooled all of our volunteers, and we did like a mega food packaging event. Like, instead of 100,000 meals, what if we did 5 million meals? And um, what if we maybe pick next March 13th through the 15th, 2016? And what if we, like, use the Dulles Expo Center? And what if we said, let's go for 5 million with a whole bunch of churches? And let's take the whole weekend... Forget this just hour on Sunday business, man. We're just getting warmed up. What, what would that look like? I am so fired up about that, and I know that some of you are too. And, and so here's kind of what I want you to imagine with me just for a second. Is, and then the music team's going to come up, and we're going to have one closing song. But I, I want you to imagine with me for a second what this world would look like if all the churches across the world, the Capital C Church, and all of us Christians just did our best to put aside our differences, to stop focusing on all the things that divide us and the rivalries that we have and what makes us better than somebody else or their church or whatever. And what if we started to with the starting point of what is it that unites us? What is it that unifies us? And what can we do together that would honor Jesus, who's ultimately the one who joins us all together, is the one that we follow, the one that we serve. It's actually not about us and our particular preferences and our particular deal, but it's, it's just about Jesus following him and honoring him. And so... Um, I'm going to pray for us in just a second, but I I want you to really think about how this applies to you because it's really easy to let that just kind of gloss over and, oh, yeah, it's somebody else's problem. This is the problem for big denominational leaders or something to figure out and how do we come together. But who do you have a problem with in the church? And do you ever spend any time thinking about what we have in common, pushing into that a little bit? So I want to pray for us, and then we're going to sing this last song, which is an incredible reminder of the thing that unites because that is where our focus must always be. Will you pray with me? Lord God, um, we just want to say thank you so much for the diversity of your church, for all of the different backgrounds and traditions and expressions of worshiping you, Jesus. God, we we think we've got a pretty cool church here. Uh, Help us just to be humble. Help us, God, to stay focused on the fact that we may have our differences, but we have one thing that unites us. Lord, as we sing this final song, I just pray that you keep our eyes fixed on you and your glory and what you want to do and help us not to ever tear down your church or your family but to raise it up, to be unified so that you would be glorified. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.